I gotta write one more thing down. I gotta write down. Um. Oh. Oh. But do you wanna? Uh, uh, hold on. Wait a second. I'm grabbing it. This one. This one. Oh, we already did this one. We already did this one, right? Grandeur. Grabbing. Yeah, you're grabbing your jar. I mean, the Hopkins. Yeah. And we're done with that one. We're done with that one. Okay, so we have in front of us Spring, The Wind Hover. The Wind Hover? That's it? The Wind Hover? Yeah. Okay. And then we have. Trying uh, to remember which ones I sent you. You sent, you said, I, I got, you sent me Spring, The Wind Hover, and As Kingfishers Catch Fire. Oh, excellent. Okay. So those are, those are what we have in front of us today. But. But oh, I gotta write this down. I gotta write this down. Um, what was I trying to say? Uh, hint of masculine best part. You know what I'm talking about, right? Hint. <laughs> what did you say? I'm not telling you yet. If you ain't here, I'm gonna okay. go back. Okay. So here's the deal. Last night. Last night I went and watched Black Panther 2. Oh, okay. All right. And you're ready to talk about it. We can call it that. <laughs> you know why I watched it? Well, cuz it was Black Panther and so you're going to watch it no matter what. Exactly. I showed yep. it to the theater right. and the and, and and the white folks were like, "So what are you here for?" I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> They're just being polite because in Idaho they don't know how to. And then and then like, and then I just I just looked at him for a while and he was like Black Adam or Black Panther. I was like, oh, that's a good point. Good, <laughs> okay, point. That's a good point. That's good. Yeah. I no, seen Black you're right. Adam yet. <laughs> Which one are you gonna go see? That was the only two options that he gave me. You know, yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, yeah, no, nah, I can see why you asked. That's a good point. Yeah. But did you not see the African dashiki I had on? You should have guessed <laughs> that I'm gonna go see Black. Panther. Yeah. Um, and then I got inside the theater and I get it, I get it. But they had a poster for the movie uh Till, right? Now Till, you remember Till, Emmett Till? That's the Emmett Till. Yeah. Emmett Till one, yeah. Yeah. And I think it was Jay-Z and LeBron James who worked on this one together. Um, and I asked when I got in there, I said, Hey, there wasn't any showings for the movie Till at all, were there here at this theater? And it would seem like, you know, that's a bad decision to have Emmett Till show in northern Idaho in a little small town, you know. Yeah. Um, but I thought about it for a little longer and I'm thinking, wait a second, if your objective and goal is to reach a group of people with this narrative that probably wouldn't know about it, then why wouldn't you be in a rural small town where people don't know? Right. Like yeah. that would that should be your objective is to be there to try to communicate something about this story, because it's a great story to tell. I don't know if they I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know if they told it well. Yeah, or I if they it either. I'll probably see it next week. Oh, or if they loaded it. You you got it out there in Spokane then, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. OK. And I pretty so, much see everything that goes through. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of the same way. I'm a I'm a I love the theater, so I like to yeah. go there. But um, well, I they do have to make money, though, and that's the that's probably the balance that they're trying to they ain't gonna make no money off this jason 
They ain't gonna make no well, money. He, you know, not not in. Well, I guess they're probably doing a limited theater run, yeah, so they're sure. balancing. Can I make the money that it costs to get a limited theater theater run going back? Um, but this is their because it's a long it's a long term. But this is their missionary like work. That. But this is their missionary work. Yeah, you're probably right. You know what I mean? Like I get I get the money side of it, but they ain't never been concerned about not making money in movies when they make a movie. Like they've been making all these slave movies forever. Some things they ain't making a whole lot of money. And that's my Ru- wife Roots made, Roots made good money. That was a long time ago. That was ago. a long time ago. <laughs> and it was the first time I think that we had seen something on screen that's not Birth of a Nation. Right? Or, or not Birth of uh, what's the other one? Um uh, the one that came before the early 1900s, 19. Are you talking the, the? I mean, the, you had birth. Birth of a Nation was the one where the KKK. Yeah, was. that's the one I, I said it right. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, outside of Birth of a Nation, we hadn't really seen a slavery story really on television. That yeah, I had think a you're series. right. I can't think yeah, of one. I can't think of one either. Now we had a lot of black TV shows and black films that were being made, but this was this was raw. It was, you know, when it was a diff- it was specifically made for the broader audience. Yes, absolutely. Because yeah. you'd and had so, you'd had stuff made for a black audience, um, but stuff that specifically made for that broader audience. It was massive, and yeah. I remember. I, I remember people talking about it. It was almost like 9-11 where after people were home or watching it on the PBS or whatever that aired it, and then they would go back to work the next day and everybody was like, uh, did you see? And everybody's nice to each other. It kind of had this like, whoa, that was well, kind of bad, you know? Well, that, that's, that too, it was before critical race theory ha- had redivided the nation, right? Like, oh, interesting. It was a nation that was that was – moving towards one another um you know that you had um because even even like boys in the hood it wasn't necessarily i think made specifically for a broader audience but it went broad um and it had a major impact even on my white suburban neighborhood we were talking about it but you You had hip-hop that was pushing that you, you had to look inside the culture after the music so there right, was yeah that's exactly so i think you had um art was art was actually pulling people towards one another um it was breaking down racial barriers uh, it was creating conversations you know that and and i think just a that like oh man you your experience and my experience i there's you know i can i can relate you know there was a lot of that going on or Man, I can't relate to that, but the art is is giving me insight into it, into something mm. that I can't directly connect with, but I can connect with through the art. You had a lot of that going on. Um, now, critical race theory has re-divided the nation. I mean, critical theory. Mm. Uh, um, on every, amazing, yeah. On every level, right? So, because, and this is, it drives me nuts because conservatives are all talking in critical race theory terms because they're like, oh, it's being used against us. We better hurry up and push back against it. But that's exact. I mean, with the same, well, it's, I mean, you're, you're, you're playing into critical theory at that point by saying, 
like, oh, well, you know, if if you're going to get rid of whites, then whites better get some, you know, that sort of yeah, thing. And yeah, yeah. like you're literally just saying, OK, I, I will accept your definition. I will accept your um, your organization. I'll, I'll accept your metaphysic. Um, and it's everybody has. I, I see critical race theory now on the right as much as on the left. Oh, yeah, that's no, you know. You've taught me this, and I've been understanding this since we've been doing Knox Unplug, which is, oh, what happened? I close my eyes and Jason disappears. Like changing <laughs> the lights a little bit. I got, I got uh, some shadows under the top of the new office. Yeah. So the I, there's, I it's gonna take me a second to get here, but give me a minute. I'll try and explain it. Um, you're right. Critical race theory is everywhere, and my thought is the way that I see it is that the education system has made everybody play by the same rules. So whatever has educated and trained people, they live in the same cosmology of critical race theory, right? So they right. share all the same premises at the end of the day. And nothing has been more clear to me than watching the Republicans after the midterms. You know, last time we talked was before the midterms. Oh, it right. was Tuesday that they were, that, the, that everybody was voting. So we haven't even talked election stuff since, you know, then, but, uh, Watching the right come away, I I'm not willing to say that everything that's happening right now for the losing of the conservatives in in uh, politics is the cheating of the left. I don't like the mail-in ballots. I think it's problematic. I know that we have some issues there. Right. Republicans have not done a great job of trying to fix that problem ultimately. No, nor have they done a great job of saying, hey, no, we've had problems in voting way before now. Because some of them have won with the same system that they say they don't like. So nobody's really doing anything to rush to try and fix the problem. So I, I just want to take that off the table for a little bit. One of the things that I'm seeing, though, is that the Republicans are now saying, hey, if you want to stay with the messaging that we currently have and the objective is to win, forget it. It's not going to happen. We're going to have to change our messaging so that the people can understand what we can do for them so that we can win because the Democrats are, are doing a good job of messaging and communicating what they're going to do for the people. And I'm saying, time out. Your job isn't to do anything for me. Right. I don't want you to do anything for me. I don't want you to do nothing. Protect the borders, protect us from a, a foreign uh, enemy and punish bad guys that try and stop me from doing what I need to do to take care of my family and to flourish. That's what you're supposed to do, right? Don't yeah. steal from people, protect your people, punish bad guys, and protect the environment so that we can flourish. One of the best things that has happened in the world has been – and I'm not for um, America being everybody's security guard, but I do have to say that when you look at certain things that have happened and America being able to um, create safety for trans – transfer of goods and services it's been really really good for the world matter right. of fact when it stopped and we weren't transferring those goods and services during the pandemic hundreds of thousands of people died because right. of that and so there is a blessing to just protection in and of itself that we need to have from our government right um our local governments our nation so that's what i want you to do but Republicans have bought into the same idea that the left has bought into, that government is there to somehow provide you with what you need, right? How can we do good things for you? How can we help you? Like, I don't want you to help me. 
I don't want you to do good things for me. Just punish bad guys. Protect me from from wickedness. That's all I need you to do. But we bought into the same cosmology. And so Republicans are now saying, oh, we need to change our message because we're not getting elected. And I'm saying, no, the people don't want what you're selling because they've all been educated underneath the idea that the government is there to make your life better. So you're not going to appeal to a person who graduated college, who has a liberal ideology, has been taught liberal things for what, 16 years, 18 years? Right. And then, and then all of a sudden try and say, yeah, uh, we're not willing to pay your educational debt. And they're like, whoa, bro, you're supposed to be making my life better. You don't appeal right. to those people. You're not going to appeal to those people apart from going through a cosmological adjustment and shift. They have bought into, hey, if I go to school and I get this job, get this education, go to college, then I get this job that the government has been telling me that's how I get ahead. And then they're going to pay for that education and I'm going to make sure I make a lot of money. And that has been they have bought into that cosmological system. So then when you start trying to talk about, hey, independence is the way, self-sufficiency, get off the government's tit, right? Like when you start talking about um, independence and the responsibility of an individual to his family and to his community, those things don't have an anchor anymore in those people because there's no cosmological um, ground that the, that seed can be planted. You've been uprooted from the conversation. Well, if your fundamental identity is your citizenship – in this state and then the state isn't providing that's like saying um i mean it, you you it feels like abuse right like i'm being abused because you're not paying my college you better say rate. that you better say that again right. that's so you right yeah and and that's what you're seeing their response is like well wait what do you mean you're not gonna feed me Aren't you my parents? Like, right. You know what I mean? Aren't you? Yeah. Isn't that what, do, what, what, you what do you what do you mean you're not going to overtax those companies that are making a whole bunch of money? They should be paying their fair share. What do you mean they pay right. no taxes? The question isn't like, well, first of all, they do. But the question isn't like, may, how come? Why can't I not pay any taxes? That's right. the question. <laughs> that is like, why aren't <laughs> did they? You see, did you see the Chappelle Bruh. intro to SNL? Bruh. Dude, that was so good. That was so funny. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how. There's nobody else that, that could get away with that I don't, that I know of. No, I think I think there is, but nobody else has the balls. Right. That's what I mean. Is I don't think there's anybody else that has the backbone to stand up and say what he said and, and um. It was, he, it was poetic. It was poetic. It was funny. He he. It was not partisan, right? He took shots at everyone. Um, he was a prophet. He, he's a prophet, exactly. He's like, hey, guess what? <laughs> In the far way, just the opening joke was so good. <laughs> and I mean, he came to Kanye's defense without defending Kanye. Which was really, I mean, it was very interesting watching him walk that line. Um, <laughs> what did he say? He said, "If there's a bunch of Italians, it's a mob. If it's a bunch of black people, it's a gang. If there's a bunch of Jews, that's just a coincidence, and you better not say anything." <laughs> <laughs> that was it's 
such a good joke. It was, I mean, it really, it really that's is. That's the kind of jokes that get you in trouble. Oh, I know. I know. I, it was so funny. And um, and it's the kind of jokes that I'm sure there were a lot of Jewish people laughing at, too. Because <laughs> that's because he's just pointing out something that we all know is true. Right. <laughs> there's no the other one is there's there's never been anything good that happened after I started a sentence. The Jews. <laughs> <laughs> Use two words. The two, and yeah, the two, Jews. The together. Jews. Yeah, it was so funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just he was he um and what's funny is he gets that anybody that watches it and then hears him called anti Semitic will know that that's completely false. Right. right. There there yeah. was nothing anti-Semitic that he ever said, anything. He was telling jokes. Um, and it's it but it makes you say, wait, so are all the other accusations of anti-Semitism then valid? Yeah. Valid? Yeah. Right? Yeah, he, right. So he undercuts the narrative with jokes really well. I don't I mean, he's one of the best ever at that if not the best ever at that no, he's the best i think i think that to me that stand up put him above richard Pryor to me yeah i, I think, think so. that that was like that was like no he's the goat now he's officially yeah. the goat yeah he, um he, he's he's been in the conversation for it um i mean it would have been a like, long time it, yeah it, it'd be like if kanye i mean if uh lebron james won a seventh ring you'd be like okay well Sorry, he won. Was, like he is. Sorry, he won. Yeah, won uh, a seventh ring with his son, right? <laughs> right. right? Yeah, yeah. His son on his team. And you're like, dang. Yeah, right. right. You know, so, okay, give it to him. <laughs> I, and he didn't. I'm. This is not me saying LeBron James is better than Jordan. Because so he's, you know. he's not. He's not. Just, but, um, <laughs> and I've heard all the arguments, and I still think that Steph Curry is. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> What did you just say? No, I'm not nothing. I'm just moving on. So what we had, bro, was... <laughs> you don't see you like to do that. This ain't that kind of show. You can't just like no. drive by and think like we gonna return fire. Like <laughs> how many rings he got? I mean, is his ankles okay? Is he gonna survive the next three days? I just don't know. He's yeah. so frail. Four. He's got four. Oh, rings. okay. How, so... how many does Jordan have? Oh. I, no, I mean, how many does LeBron have? That's the. Oh, I mean, yeah, I he think, definitely. I, I'll take him. I I'll think take the him question. I think the question is Curry or Jordan, not LeBron or Jordan, but I think LeBron is up there too. You know, see, this is this leads me to our next conversation we got to have. Okay, I just want to tell you, I'm going to be the resident punching bag for you <laughs> because. I think we need to have this. This brings us to Wakanda. You know, I should have known with the whole Megan Trainer thing that we were going to be here. (laughs) But you go and see, I'm texting you something back. I can't even remember what I was texting you back and forth, but you're in the theater. And then you're like, I'm about to go see like Black Panther with my whole family. I'm like, oh, snap. Like, I want to be there too. And then, um, and then, you know, you have it. It's opening day. So I don't don't miss opening day. Yeah. For a Wakanda. Yeah, I, mean, I shouldn't. I, I lost four black cards, and they probably all went to you uh, for not missing <laughs> opening day. I, I do plan to redeem it on uh, the Spider Verse with you know, so Miles Morales. I, we oh, don't yeah. miss opening day for Miles. Miss, he Miles hasn't failed us right. yet, but right. um, they're doing a great job. But so I, you went to go see Black Panther, 
you must have just left the theater in a complete joy and mm-hmm. then just like rain down on Facebook how awesome Black Panther was. And you got some pushback. Oh, yeah. That didn't surprise me. I, I expected I would. But what I knew was I was getting pushback from people that hadn't seen it because I saw oh. the first showing, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> I saw All the right. first showing in, on the West Coast and, you know, um, on purpose because, one, I don't, I'm no spoilers. I don't, I gotta avoid no, that. No, I'm okay. Hey, everybody better. This is gonna be a spoiler. All yeah. this shows all spoilers. Gonna spoilers. So I'm gonna put but, that in the title so everybody knows that if you don't want a spoiler, don't listen to this one. But this is all spoilers because we gotta talk about this. But this is also something that I've been doing with my kids for, you know, what, a decade now. Is, yeah, yeah. Marvel films. Marvel, uh, Marvel, the earliest showing that we can get a row to ourselves because we're basically an entire row Yeah, yeah. Um, is we've been doing that. You know, my kids have been getting Marvel tickets in their, in their Easter baskets for years. And so, so Easter bunny would be proud. Right. And there are times when we've seen a Marvel movie and been like, Hmm, that was a bummer, but did you, okay. So, you know, so it's not like every Marvel movie has been great. There have been a a couple of bad ones. Eternals. Um, I couldn't even finish Eternals. <laughs> it, was it was so bad. <laughs> so, Me either. I forced I, myself to go it? back and watch it. Hey, okay. let me tell you something else. I actually, after I watched it, me and my wife watched it. It was super hard. We had to turn it off. We couldn't finish watching it, right? And then I'm like, you know what? No, we're, I'm going to finish watching it. I'm going to make my son watch it too. And yeah. I made my son watch it with me. Because I wanted him to know, we we dissected that movie why it was a bad film. Because I wanted right. him to know, like they're doing something here. What are they doing? And he was so dis, it almost ruined. He said after we got done, he said, "Dad, end game was the end game. That was it, right?" Well, so and, and we all held out hope for Black a, Panther. Yeah, my my kids have had a similar response in general. Um, so. And it wasn't all perfect. I'm not saying that everything right. before that was perfect. Like, right. it wasn't. Yeah. But there was something different about Eternals that was like, we're turning a corner. We're yeah. absolutely turning a full corner. And it came out, if I remember right, it came out during when the theaters were all shut down. Right, because they I dropped it on the home. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and I was, I'm so glad because I was yeah, not because I would have, I would have been really sad to have spent a bunch of money to see that one in the theaters, and and it made us wary. So we didn't go see. Um, uh, multiverse, multiverse of madness. Yeah, uh, me and my wife went and saw that one in the theaters because I was, I was wary. Yeah, um, my wife. I didn't take my kids. One of, one of our sons, and she really liked it, but she was like, "But I mean, it's, it was a good, fine movie. You know, they, they nailed the controlling lie of the bad guy was." believable and it was a it was a real lie and they had to fix it and the sacrifice she's like oh you know those things all hit it just it wasn't it just isn't at the same level as like ragnarok or you know the the the, where there's the still the magic um to the storytelling there's some there was there was some it's like early pixar where there's something magical about yeah yeah, the storytelling Right. Um, and then so later ones, you're like, oh, that was a good Pixar movie. But that wasn't Toy Story. That wasn't Nemo. That right, wasn't right, Incredibles. Right. Right. Like those ones that right. were next yeah, I, level. I, yeah. Um, but and even I, and like for me, like the, a new Pixar movie comes out 
and I'll probably go see um, the the new one that comes out next this weekend. It look it looks good. What's but, it called? Oh no, um, let me know. Yeah. I, I will. So the um, but but and I'm grateful for the years of joy that Pixar gave me. So I'm not going to turn on Pixar or something if they put out a bad movie, you know, um, the, and, uh, oh yeah. But Puss in Boots also comes out this week. That one looks pretty good. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to see that one. You I kind of want to see that one too. I mean, just the, the animation looks incredible. Um, so, I, so then, okay, let's just take strange this world. Strange world. Oh, okay. is the new Pixar. It looks interesting, but, but I don't have the same level of hope. For the for next those. Pixar movie, the way I used to, but so, I can still say, man, Pixar gave me some great yeah. times, great times with my kids, Sh- movies that I have used in helping explain the world to my kids. You know, yep. Um, yep. you know, you talk about The Incredibles with your kids and say, like, let me. Ha- you remember that time in The Incredibles, right? That's Bro. what you're going through right now. That that so, sort of thing, like. Um, this is why this conversation is going to be hard for me because I'm going to be – I feel like I'm going to be directly at odds with you, and I'm waiting for you to convince me of something. Okay. Um, but, but here's why it's going to be hard because you were right about um, Jungle Book. I went back and watched it with my f- wife, and it was phenomenal. You were right about Jungle Book. You were right about um, ex- uh, The Incredibles 2 when we talked about that. Basically what you said was the film was to show that a woman – out in the field was missing the most important parts of her life, being at home and being a wife and being a mom. And that's not good. That's not winning. Right. And that I went back and watched it. And I think that that is there. It's, and and you said something, it's doing this, what it's supposed to do, even though you might not be able to pick up on it. I was challenged by that because I walked away, not knowing that that's what he was trying to do. So, but, but I still think you were right about that narrative there. Iron giant, you know, I think, man, you know, you're, you and then we talked about She-Hulk, the, the issue that was there. Okay. I see you. No, nope, I'm, I'm agree with you there. Um, but then Black Panther hit and this was my only film that I was holding out for to see if the Marvel universe was going to be able to hold together. Hold together. And I've lost all hope. Okay. So, so. I'll give you I'll give you 90 seconds first to nice. explain right. why this that I want to take 90 seconds after you get done. Okay, so um, I'm going to give the positive argument, and then after we'll talk about why I think people are not understanding it. Okay, but, fair enough. Um, fair enough. So it, it it's a it's the story of a king who dies without an heir. Right, that's what the movie is about. Right, so what do you do? When a king dies without an heir, you have the his younger sister who literally did not prepare to be queen, um, and it shows. And you have um, his mom who n- never thought she would need to rule, right? And so they're thrown into having to run a kingdom, um, but they're not prepared because they were preparing for the, the role that they thought they were going to have, not the role to rule. And so the first the mom tries to rule and the more masculine she gets, the worse it goes, right? the more, it, the, the more it falls apart. And, and then, so this is where the spoilers come in when she, she's killed. And then the 
princess has to take over as queen, it's it 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 literally almost destroys everything. It gets down to fifteen people left. Um, the the harder she tries to rule like a man, and she, and what I liked that they did was when she goes into the ancestor realm, and she chooses. Um, she, you know, she's she's the one that chooses which one ancestor she thinks she needs, and she chooses um, Michael B. Jordan, Killmonger, right? She chooses her cousin, Killmonger, thinking because she thinks that's what it is to be a king, um, because uh, because she thinks that the thing that's going that she lacks is masculine strength. And it literally almost destroys the entire, it, it almost destroys Wakanda, her grasping for masculine strength. And she doesn't realize it until she's got a spear through her womb. She has a spear through her womb and that's when, and, and she realizes that she um, is, uh, is making her, is destroying the future of her people um, and making her people fruitless when she's looking at a spear through her womb. Right. Um, and so she has to, uh, and then what ends up saving it, uh, saving it is when she turns around and shows mercy and chooses life rather than d- dealing death anymore. Right. When she stops dealing death like a man and starts acting like a woman and choose and, and is life giving, it actually rescues her people. Um, and, reveals that's what ends up revealing that there is a prince in hiding right that there is a a prince in hiding but she didn't know about it and she wouldn't know about it because the one woman who's acting like a woman won't trust her won't tell her the truth right so you've got the woman that's off the um taking care of children she's off running an orphanage she's off educating kids she loves being a woman she says look i know my my whole role was to be the support of the king and when he was taken away right she she said my role went away i didn't know what it was so the woman that was acting like a woman turns out to be the one that is hiding the savior and she can't trust the princess who's because she's acting too much like Killmonger. She's thinking that strength and power is, is the way forward. As soon as she starts acting like a woman, then that one, and that woman says, now I can trust you. Let me show you that the salvation was hidden here all along. I I thought it was a brilliant script. Uh, that was poetic witchcraft that you just did. <laughs> I rebuke it. No, no, I, I, I rebuke it. I cast that spirit and demon out. You no, no, no. Um, there, I have a lot to say about that, Jason. Okay. And there, there were a couple of problems. I think surface level problems that are real. Um, okay, wait, wait, wait. Before you get there, but. And before you get there, I, th- I think this is really important. The surface level problem 
Oops, I lost you. Uh oh. Uh-oh. Oh, you're back. I lost you. Somehow I lost full. Let's see if I get it back. Hold on one second. There you go. That was, that was what was ha- that was what happened to me earlier. Now the CIA is listening in on you. No, that was because you did some witchcraft just now with that storyline. <laughs> that was witchcraft. Uh, the, the surface level issues are the only thing that was. This is why I, I think you just proved why we really have to get to these poems, because you were able to see, probably even. I don't want to say, you you were able to see and give this meaning beyond the surface level issues that were problematic because there absolutely were surface level issues that were problematic. The difference is that people, even myself, wrote a different story because those surface level issues that were problematic. Yeah. And I think you gave a lot of grace to those surface level issues to see the meat or to see well, the actual armature that was there, even though they tried to shape yeah. around it. So I don't even know armor- if they would have they saw what they yeah. were doing that well. I bet that there's somebody on the in the writing room that gets what they're doing because it was very Shakespearean the way that they 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 set it up um, in a Shakespearean. It's a dang it's Jason. A, that was good. Oh. That was really good because I don't think man maybe it was but there's there's only one person who knows that nobody else knows that. I don't think that is maybe, obvious. Maybe it's to, gonna it's gonna resonate. It's gonna make so much money around the world. Right? Yeah, it already is. It's already it's a little lower than what it did before. Yet. Well, it was 180 million for the opening weekend. I think they're at 320 million so far. It's it's breaking records worldwide. Um, right. The Rock had to talk about it and said, "Hey, wow, you outdid my film. That's really good." But it's, it didn't do what it did the first film. First film opening that opening weekend was like 220 million just in America. But that's after but, the pandemic versus you know. That's true, but it's also. They have lost the trust of a lot of people. I mean, my, my teenage yeah. son and his friends got together to watch what was the vampire one, which I'm bummed because I love Blade, the character Blade. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And they're gonna br- bring him finally into the MCU. He's a great character. He's he is he's one of my he his Wesley Snipes played him so well. Wesley Snipes killed in that role, and but then the the comics themselves, the the idea of the it's that Psalm three that where the, the, the bad guy built their own destruction yeah. in their choice to be a bad guy. Right. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's like the, the armature of blades life. I love it. Um, but what you have, but they, the, uh, what, uh, Morbius, my, Morbius. my son and his teenage friends get together and they have, um, Morbius watching parties because they say it's like the worst movie they've ever seen. And so they watch it and they, and they all have their comments. And it's pretty funny. They, they do kind of a mystery science theater 3000 thing with Morbius. So they've lost the, the confidence of a lot of people that they hadn't lost yet when the first <clears throat> Black Panther came out. Uh, well, but, but they had a secret weapon in Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Yep. They did. Like that was and a secret I mean, weapon. His death is, is tragic. It's sad. He's a strong Christian. And, um, so to lose him as a brother, but also as an actor, 
was, was really and, sad. And so they had to rewrite the entire script because the original script was written while he was still alive. And so they they were they had began building the VFX and the building the world and everything when Chadwick you can tell. wasn't dead yet. And so they rewrote a script and it's a four, yeah, it's a four act script you don't you you don't so this is one of the things that makes it feel more shakespearean you don't usually get a four act movement in not in films superhero movie right so yeah. you get that in shakespeare i mean five act but it was a, it's a five acts but it's a four act movement well part of the, the story so... and but they did that they built a really and it worked it, usually you can't get four acts to work on screen because people's expectations are set for a three-act structure, uh, their bodies get are get uncomfortable when you move into a fourth act because their bodies expect a three-act script. It's a really but, interesting. Yeah, but but that's exactly what um, Top Gun did. It was a four acts. Mm-hmm. It was right, and so and I'm like, wondering if we're going to get a movement back towards that because it make that. But that's how you make it feel epic if you can turn into the fourth act. And and raise people's uh, engagement, then it feels epic. That's yeah, why people that's walk right. away saying, "Man, that was epic." Because normally, where you would turn towards the, you would turn yeah. down. You yeah. you turn it up again, right? And they did that really well in this movie. Um, I don't think so. Set it up. Oh, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they set it up at the beginning, um, but so well, where do you put the turn into the fourth act? Well, I mean, I think you're right. There's four acts, but I don't think they ended with. I don't think they were able to take you up the fourth act. When it was when it was Killmonger, when no. Killmonger turns around. When Killmonger when, turns around. When she goes into the spear world and Killmonger turns and you turn and she turns and it's kill turns the corner and it's Killmonger. Yeah, all, but that's all that the four, turn into the fourth act. I get that, but I'm saying everything else that followed wasn't like. Top Gun, where you it went up. It, it, it didn't go up. It, it just. I kept don't think going. it went up as well as Top Gun. I don't think I it think, went up well at all. You don't think it went up? No, and and part of it was because so the, they, so the like the whole boat scene was a letdown. Yeah, it was, and part of the reason why. Okay, so let me get my. That's that's where epics suffer in our age. Is is the, it's so hard to to convincingly turn up into a fourth act. Uh, so, in, so in film people do it in novels all the time and it works but in film this is why so many novels are hard to translate into film um they i, I agree ability to turn the fourth act up because it has to be because it has to they have to double down on their lie in the third act and it works for them and then it stops working in the fourth act while getting more intense and that's, hard. Right. that's just really hard to do. They they had the you superhero want... structure three act is just it works so well. They had you wanting a lot more in the fourth act because it was late. So if they would have put the fourth act where the third act was, then they would have had you, I think, thinking that that. But they they waited so long for it that they you thought it was going to be better than what it was. So when Top Gun did their fourth act, yeah. what they did was the impossible. Yeah. Right, right. They, they did absolutely impossible. Up. No one is ever going. Oh my goodness, he's alive. Oh my goodness, yeah. he's gonna die. 
We knew he was going to die. Wait, he's not going to die? He's not going to die, yeah. Oh, the guy gets shut out of the plane. How are they going to get him back? Surely all the guys are going to come and then, like, drop missiles and bring holy hell on this place, and these guys are going to make it out. No. No, yeah. We're going to go still And then find the old F-16. Yeah, and then it's nostalgic again. I mean, you can't, you can't, you you know. They did what they did. What they did, and I don't think – I think this is the – this um, is the superhero – the perpetual superhero problem is they ratcheted it up in Top Gun by ratcheting down, right? They they move – so the temptation in a superhero movie would have been – if it was Top Gun was a superhero movie, he would have discovered an even greater plane than the one that he had. Instead, he discovers a worse plane, and so the the uh, ratcheting up has to be within him, right within the goose's son. So that goose's right. son has to ratchet up within him because he's being ratcheted down externally. It's the and that so Tolkien does that really well um, because it be, we, he, mm. you you end up throwing the ring into the hands of a couple of hobbits, bro. When he's in the plane and he's like. We can do it. If I wasn't here, you would do it. Like this gives me goosebumps. He's like, yeah. it's, it's not about the plane. It's about the man behind the plane. It's like, right. When he says that stuff, and then out of nowhere, all the real, all the truths that are there, that it, that Cruz is like holding back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he pushes him to go for it. You know. And so it, there. But so that I think that fourth, that fourth, yeah, uh, I, is different. I, I, I don't. And and the. The scene, the actual fighting on the boat, I thought was, it wasn't great. And I, yeah, I think- okay, so so let me let me start back at the beginning with with, with my because here's here's what I, I walked away saying first, okay, they say it was like four hours of first cut, and I'm thinking like I could help you cut that thing back to two and a half hours, <laughs> just yeah. to be very honest with you, it was like we could have cut this or, or two hours, okay, but I walked away from the theater and I was like, okay, if this is a movie. That makes you hungry for male leadership and testosterone and protection, then and that women leaders are bad at doing that job, then they made the perfect movie. And it sounds like that I can harmonize what you just said with what I walked away with, but on two different sides of the of the scale. You're seeing it as this is a positive. Th- Go ahead. I think that's what the story was, right? Yeah. Is be, that that a Wakanda without a king can't be Wakanda. But I think that they missed. I think they missed telling part of that story well. Like, so so let me just start. Let's start with the air for for instance. This is what really really okay. Can I got a list of things that bother me? But I, so I'm just going to random. I've got some things that bother me too. But okay, there, you t- you say one, I'll say one. Okay. Um, I think the uh, the um, all the all female guards that only works if you've got Black Panther, right? So facts, right? And so facts. and they never. I don't think they actually showed that. All, I mean, they they did at that at the end of the fourth act. Dora Milaje, yeah, yeah. So you you did see that and. They showed a number of times, you know, when a larger guy comes along, they couldn't just 
they couldn't defeat him, right? So they got defeated a number of times, but they should have drilled down on the fact that what makes it work to have an all-female guard for your king is a Black Panther king, right? Like, if you have a king that literally is indestructible, <laughs> okay, so then, let, then let me, it works yeah, yeah. to have all-female guard. So I think that, that bothered me that they never um, just at least pointed it out. Like, well, they, they couldn't because, okay. And this they, is where the time, yeah, the timing in our day, you can't just say that. I'm going to throw two out. First of all, I think that they had much slower of a start than they needed to. I think they could have had the whole death of, of T'Challa and they could have moved into the story a lot faster. I felt like the whole form of the storytelling was effeminate and slow. It was not an action film with the, that had a story. It was more of a drama with a little action in it. And the, and the, the, the action was effeminate, was effeminate. And part of the, part of the way that I point to that is M'Baku. They feminized him and emasculated him. And it was very, very disappointing to see that because M'Baku was the only person that was not a beta male inside of Black Panther 1. He was the only guy in Wakanda that was not a beta male. In Wakanda, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was the only one. And he was he thought he came and thought that T'Challa was soft. That's why he challenged him. Mm -hmm. And he had no problem challenging him. And so when I thought about that, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But then Mbaku is soft throughout the whole thing, asking questions like he's a counselor. What does your heart tell you? He didn't care about your heart. You got Wakanda to protect. You better get past this death. You got to fight. You are the leader now, right? And then at the end where they have the battle for the Black Panther, who's going to lead, he's there without Shuri. And I was like, wait a second. He would have challenged from the beginning. Right. So and, that um and he and she would have lost well, because the he, only way to go ahead. He he wouldn't have challenged the queen, right? Because of the respect that for Black so, Panther though he would have. Right. So there's no Black Panther. He so it makes it made sense. He would protect the queen. He, when he would protect the queen. When sure if Shuri's gonna show up um, as a Black Panther, yeah, he's not having that. He's not sure. having that for which is actually how they ended. But and this is one of the things that I think. What are the? It, how is that going to work? Because Shuri literally doesn't show up to defend the throne, right? Because and, she has learned that's not the right role for her. But who's so they left that that I think um, I, I, they I, they I should have. I don't think it's her motivation. I, well, that that's what they don't make clear. So I, yeah, that yeah. Turn, I think you're the right. Turn at the end of the fourth <laughs> act bothered me. So because, right? and here's the part that really, so the reason why they had to have her leave was because if remember what it takes to be the Black Panther mm -hmm. is that you have to win physically in battle without the power of the Black Panther. Yeah, and right. she is not going to be able to beat him in any way without the power of the Black Panther. It's game over. Right. And so and, the Black Panther, go ahead. And I think they showed that, and the only reason that, that that didn't happen before was because there was so much chaos in the turnover. So at the, the moment that Shuri's going to show up, of course he's going to – He would challenge Challenge he, he would, that. So, he, uh, yeah. But, but I, I think that – And they show part of that though. Remember they, they start to and they don't finish it. That I didn't that like that. That was failure. That was failure that was, to me. I bet the four-hour version 
<laughs> had some had more of that. Well, then cut right? out. The, well, then cut what, out the American. Think, what did they cut out? Easy. They must have cut something out. Because you could have cut more out, I think. Y- you could have cut out the whole them going to America scene. That was weak. Remember, you got to remember the first film when they go to America with T'Challa. That was one of the best scenes in Black mm-hmm. Panther. It yeah. almost rivaled the end because of how well it was done, how well it was shot. The but fight it was short. It was short. It was short and quick, and they yeah they didn't. They, they didn't do they, that. This one was a whole long scene about how the car works and her with the princess and then this new girl who really didn't have to be a girl, but they made sure it was a girl. It actually could have been a guy, but that was – let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> and she's making this Iron Man suit. Okay, we got it. You guys are making her the new Iron Man for the – you know, she's the new brilliant scientist. She's the new Tony Stark. Got it. You know, like – but <laughs> anyway, so they got all that. They could have cut a large part of that out. They didn't need all that. That wasn't exciting. Yeah. That wasn't – uh, the fight scenes weren't nearly as good as they were in the first one. Right. You know? My and, my question is, do is that the the thing that I didn't like? Um, so, so story level surface issue. Um, it also felt like there were too many unresolved introductions. Um, and where the blue it, people. You, you never felt like somebody was in in the first round of the you know leading up to Endgame, the first three uh, yeah good sections. Point. Yeah, you never saying. felt like anyone was added for any reason other than the particular movie they were in. Even when you found out later, there was a bigger part for their of their story. It felt a number of times like something was being introduced that was needed for a later. Yep. Movie. Absolutely. Or that that was picked up from the TV show because they had to add it later for, you know, they had to add it because it was coming. Yeah. That, uh, that makes sense. The other, so that bothers me. I don't, I don't like that. It's the same thing that you see in TV all the time when you've got an episode that doesn't stand on its own. Like, why did you make it? Why did you make it as an episode? Just, just make a eight hour movie and just tell us, watch it in chunks. I don't want you to make ep- turn it into episodes if it if the episodes don't hold together on their own. Yeah, we're kind of used to them not though, so we've kind of been conditioned to that. The other thing that really bothered me, and you might disagree with me on this, there wasn't a real bad guy. So when Siri goes and she goes to the water world and she meets the guy with the girl and they go down to the I told my wife, she was there with me. I said, "There's no way you can kill this guy now." Like, you can't kill this guy now. There's no it's not possible because you he's not a bad guy right he he is he's not a bad guy who is has ill intent and in, look to destroy the world he is in defense mode he's trying to protect his people he wasn't a, he wasn't a bad guy he was a guy who was you're not going to you I agree with you about him but I disagree with you that there wasn't a bad guy okay who's the bad guy white sure. people no sure he was the bad guy ah okay maybe but that's not how – okay, she – no, she, she was, was the a, protagonist, but she, she was, was a, the one destroying Wakanda. She was the one who – you know what? They didn't write it that way, I don't think. I think you're being gracious in the way that you're viewing it. I think you're viewing it probably the way that it should be viewed, but not the way that they intended. Maybe not. That that might be. That might be. But I that's, think you're – That's what I think made it – so Shakespeare does that all the time. Hamlet uh, is – Hamlet uh, – well, the royal family is the one destroying um, 
you know, the, the kingdom in Hamlet, uh, Macbeth, uh, and his Macbeth's weakness is the, is the major threat to the kingdom in Shakespeare. And so I don't think we're used to storytelling like that, where the, we, we, we like our main characters to need to grow, but to never be, they're never going to even accidentally destroy the world or the kingdom. You know, I mean, I think that's what made civil war so good. Civil war, I think up is my favorite of all of the, yeah, I think so too. Um, Marvel universe is because the bad guys are the, the mistaken ideas of the good guys or the, the, I mean the, 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 the threat, I guess you would say. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Right. there the, was a is, bad guy though in that film, but he was using them against each other and they destroyed, exactly. which I, I think that in this, there wasn't, you know, I, I don't mind that, that Shakespearean, I think that yeah. can work, but the, the but the bad guys were just an external force. Yeah, they, yeah. Who, they, who? And, I mean, literally, they were a a they were a force of nature. You know what? No, that's right. not true either. Here's here's what. Look, this is I wrote this down because I wanted to f- remember it, and I forgot about it until just now. The bad guys are white folks in this one. They are the colonizers. They are the people who were killing his family. They're the people who will come for you. Um, and so what this really was was oh, that right. the Mexicans and the black folks, while they might have be antagonistic toward each other, they need to stick together ultimately because the same white people are going to come for them just like each other. And so we need to be able to bond together, even though we're having this fight. We need to feel to come together so that when they come for one of us, we can join together, be able to fight them off. The bad guy at the end of the day was white folks was the was was the colon yeah the colonizers that were trying to use their weapon that, it was that the were French. always going to use misuse the power no you're right that, that's definitely but see that's the that's the that's the crt yes um interpretive grid that's always being forced onto everything it doesn't work on its own it only works if they get something right Mm. Right. So when you get something right underneath it and then you lay that across the top, then it gives the illusion that the CRT in interpretation is going to work. I think um, there was there's some other things that go along with that CRT stuff. I think they showed they were trying to say white women are no longer allies. You only had the one white woman who has all the power. Right. And she is. The ally was in the white man who was trying to stand up against her, right? The one colonizer who was, but white women, the fem, the the um, feminism, uh, the feminist movement, those women are not in the same way an ally anymore. I think yeah. that I think they were I think there was a clear message sent. There's a certain type of, and they were clear about what kind of woman she was with the purple hairline. Come on now, right? They were. Oh no, were, I, and I think that's. But what's hard is that's that's they. The feminist movement has been taken over by dudes in dresses. <laughs> hey, right? but they don't know that yet, though. But they don't know that yet. That's the thing. I don't think that they know that yet. The, the feminist movement is, is just now starting to push back a little bit at this. And so I don't know if they know that that's that's happening. Um, that that might be that, but this, but it's because it's so. But I I think that's one of the things that's so interesting is if feminism is that women can do anything a man can do it literally makes no sense to say 
but a man can actually be woman of the year. Right. Right. Or that men are better pageant. at being men are men are better at beauty pageants than women. That's the opposite of feminism. I it's it it's it's strange to to watch it happen. Um, because you think what what happened that now women are better at being men than women? What's what happened? What happened to the feminist movement? Apparently, there was no critical race theory. I, yeah, critical theory. I think critical theory yeah, undercuts critical. feminism. Um, so the, and homosexuals, the, it's coming for homosexuals too. They're they're starting to say, wait a second, this trans thing is putting us out. We don't know what's going on here. Yeah, you know, and, and Dave I, Chappelle picked up on that, right? And I think what, but I think what it is is, um is that underneath it all is a metaphysic that says I have to be, I have to have control over my essence. Mm -hmm. I have to be the one who chooses my own, the reality of who I am or chooses my own identity. Um, and, uh, homosexuality was used to break down the old um, metaphysic, but yeah. it doesn't give you a new metaphysic because I mean, I even remember that the argument was our homosexuals, you know, made or born. I'm born this way. Yeah. 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 That, that was too much a part of the older metaphysic that said, I, I, my, I receive my identity. I don't choose my identity. We have to be in, in the critical theory. You have to be able to, um, choose your identity, not even critical theory, just full-blown postmodernism, you know, non-Christian non postmodernism. Um, That's a good point, Jason. I didn't think about that. Yeah, you you know, it's funny because homosexuality was playing off of a Christian cosmology where it says, mm -hmm. well, no, God made me this way. You believe in God. We believe in God. God makes all things good, makes everything perfect. So God made me this way. I'm perfect. Yeah. Right? So it, that, but, but that's it, not the cosmology was, anymore. It's a way of using the Christian um, Christian assumptions to dislodge the world from Christian assumptions. <laughs> but homosexuals right. didn't know that they were going to do that. Now what do they lean on? Right. Because now, now um, you know, the if you just if you have to say, well, no, look, my my identity is something I received in any way. You're not. Um, you're no longer the God of and, the system. That's right. right? That's Your right. will is not. Um, so the word arbitrary means by God's will alone. Right. And so um, when we, when, when we want to be God, then our will has to be the one that arbitrarily decides mm. reality, arbitrarily defines reality, which means I can make it this reality. And so you see this in communism, right? Where they'll come along and they'll say, hey, this week everyone has to say the sky is green or else you're going to the gulags. You're going to the you're you're going out to the work camp until you're willing to say the sky is green. And then next week we're gonna change it back to blue. Now you've got to say, right? So the state is God, and they prove it by arbitrarily by by their will being arbitrary and everyone having to go along with it.
because God's will, um, it's not arbitrary in the sense we use it now, but mm. arbitrary means that only God's will in the final, in the final um, uh, analysis, only God's will is what makes this. That's what arbitrary meant, right? So, um, you know, why are leaves green? You, um, if you say, well, ultimately it's arbitrary. God wanted it that way. Um, that that means that means God's will is ultimate. It's the it's, it's the it's it's the end of the arbitrary uh, argument, the argument from arbitrariness. You have this, the argument from God. His decree. yeah. So yeah, then, what arbitrary the argument for who is God? At the end of the argument for from arbitrariness is the is the God of the system. So there's not like a decree, like in the same way decree is used in, in the mm -hmm. same sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's um the that's the uh so you, when you've got when you say like uh, like decretal theology or that you know that that God decrees something to be some way and that's why it is that way right there's not and there's not a reason beyond God's will um and that is what's going on when some when somebody wants to be able to say well this week I'm gonna be gay next week i'm going to be by the week after that i'll be trans right or i mean maybe not a week but you know however long it is if you get to wake up and say today i am this and the only thing that makes me that is my choice then you're the god of the system so anything less than that was just a way of dislodging us from the from a reality that that was received not shaped a reality mm. that has a nature um that is not something that that we define but we do not use that word like that at all i mean the way we use it i think it, it it's still it that's that is what it means we just disagree on which what's who's the god of the system right yeah yeah okay but that's so, why something like spring like ox uh the, the Manly Hopkins, or, General Manly, Manly Hopkins, or, or let's actually look at King as Kingfisher's Catch Fire. Okay, hold on. Can I say one last thing about the Black yeah. Panther thing? Because this is you said it's funny that you picked up. I'm 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 learning. I gotta say I really really appreciate your assessment of it. Although I I think yeah we I hope people listen to this after they read your Facebook post when you talked about that they were hungry for a king and because there was no king and so the whole point was looking for the king. This is what really – okay, there's two things. On the boat scene, when M'Baku threw the ladies off the boat to go fight and then holds the ropes, I literally lost it in the theater. Do you remember that part where they're on the boat? And oh, yeah. Like, and, and I was like, oh, oh, really? Would you go throw the ladies off the side of the boat? Just like, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. All right. Like, uh. And Baku was in the beginning of the film saying, like, we go kill him. <laughs> now he's sitting up there. Now he's, yeah, I know. It is, I, okay, okay, that's one thing. The, the last thing was I did not like the succession of the king. I thought I really had a problem with it because when they come through and he's like, oh, I'm T'Challa. I was thinking to myself, wait, he had a bastard kid with a woman that wasn't his queen? What? So I was trying to I, – I couldn't remember – the the whole story because she, what they said is well the queen has known all along 
that we right. had to keep him in hiding for his own safety. Um, I that I I actually don't remember how the story goes. So because that was so convoluted, there was no there was no marriage. Remember, he was begging her to marry him. Let's why don't you come here and be my queen, queen of Wakanda? That's what he was saying in the first film. She didn't want to do it. She wanted to be it. You know, and I was yeah. thinking to myself, like, they've just communicated that women don't need to be queens. And there, there isn't they, – they, they completely destroyed the, the beauty of a woman and then gave a succession to a bastard kid. He doesn't have heir to the – they destroyed it without covenant. Yeah. No, that's, that is true. That's something yeah. that we don't – as a – Especially for black culture to do something like that. Like that pissed me off, cause so, like you know, because <laughs> I was I because I honestly at, at that moment tell me, yeah, the, the other thing I was like, married. what the other question I had was, he's not the right age, so how long ago? Six years. Oh, that's a good point too. Yeah. So my my other thought was, how long have they been hiding him? So when she was he was saying, come be my queen. She would have already had that kid, but uh, that's this was this is me not being not suspending well, disbelief. Well, you know, no, and unless there's some, ap- there's movie time and all of that. So well, unless it was after Endgame, that was five years with the gap, right? So they could have had the kid um, before Endgame. That's five years. T'Challa dies right after that. Supposedly, you make well, that time. That would have been so, so that she got pregnant and then he got snapped out of existence. That was my cool. understanding. Yeah, that's what I would have marked it as if I would have yeah, said it. So, so she got, and then it's five years. She would have had a baby, you know. So yeah. So he was, but all that to say, um, the it is a, a, the fact that there's a true prince in hiding is the solution. Yeah, even to, though they couldn't write the story. <laughs> right. They, they they they, and this is where you know what people actually misread Shakespeare all the time because they don't understand some of these covenantal realities. That's really good, man. I, 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 I like, I really do like how you laid this out and how you talk about it because all I saw was most of the surface stuff and I was trying to see, but this is because the poetic nerve isn't there. So you saw what they were trying to do, even though they were stumbling through it on, and you think you still think there's somebody in the wider writer room who knows what they're doing. Somebody that knows what they're doing. I don't think, I don't think so. Maybe not. I mean, that's that's possible. You sometimes get people that are just like, yeah, but in my right, experience, right. this is how it would work, right? And and they just get it right. So that does happen sometimes. Um, but a, it what this is a, a movie that doesn't get stuff some something right fundamentally doesn't isn't this successful, right? It's going to resonate. And if all we know how to do is point out the surface stuff. What happens is people then think, well, I guess the surface stuff, that must be why it's resonating. And that's how you make movies is with surface and, stuff. And then and, you mess and, up. Right. Yeah. And so and then they'll come along and they'll make a bunch of other movies with the surface stuff that won't resonate. As Christians, if we say, you know what mm. makes mm. you know what makes that movie resonate is we do need a king. We do want a king. There is a king in hiding that we're waiting for. Right. That so that aspect of the movie that resonates deeply with you because you were built to wait for the king that's in hiding. 
And they didn't know how to tell that story like Matthew does. Matthew goes through and says, mm-hmm. the king in hiding has this bloodline and he's coming this way. And here, through covenant succession and covenant faithfulness, by the you know, by the way, I just want to make point out covenant. <clears throat> this is why we baptize kids. Uh, um, because there is a reality to this heir, to this covenant reality. I always point this out the confession. God made covenant with Adam and his posterity, right? <laughs> it, yeah. was, it was only going one way. <laughs> yeah, but this is this is the difference between Tolkien and the Wheel of Time, right? Robert Jordan is Tolkien writes a deeply Christian world in which the um, the the need to submit to somebody greater than you is there, that the need that the desire for a, a beautiful non-egalitarian universe resonates with people. And they say, we love it. We love it. We love it. And then Robert Jordan's like, they like it because of the elves. And so he writes a story with elves and orcs and, and, um, and some people that liked it because of the elves and the orcs read it. And they're like, this is really the same sort of thing, but it doesn't. Then they make wheel of time movie and everybody's like, Ooh, or TV show. Ooh, that wasn't, that didn't resonate the way Tolkien did. What's the deal with that? They make the ring of power and people are like, Oh, this isn't resonating the way that stuff Tolkien wrote did. What's the deal with that? And we don't know how to, we, we're like, it's because they messed up the, the nature of the elves. And it's because they didn't take the, they didn't get the mythology right. And they're like, no, it's because they didn't, it's because they didn't get the hatred for egalitarianism, right? Tolkien had such a wow. deep hatred of egalitarianism. Wow. That's exactly people, right. Right. And people love it. Love it. I love it. It, it formed, it formed the shape of my soul. Wow. Right? Um, Jason. Doug, and, you got to say that again, man. You got to say that again. Please say that again. I don't know. Okay. How... <laughs> so so the thing that makes Tolkien resonate is his Christian understanding of a world in which egalitarianism um, is an enemy. He hates sin. He hates, he hates sin. He And he hates um, he hates goodness being leveled, right? Leveled as in into um, where you can't say this good and that. So, um, right, uh, right. Chesterton he, um, has a has a funny poem where he says um, that uh, you set the sun, and the moon beside one another, and some damn fool will come along and say better. Yeah. Right. That that which that one is you, better? Yeah. You can, which one is better? That you can look at the sun. That you can look at the moon. And so, rather than saying. Um, uh, rejoicing when things are in their right place. Mm. Um, we we want to say one of these one of these things has to be uh, judged better than the other, right? It's a it's a worldview in which strength um, strength is the only reality, right? It's it's that Machiavellian view in which the economic organization of things is has metaphysical implications, rather than coming along and saying. Let's put everything in its right place. Husbands leading families, that's in the right place, right? And does that make a husband more metaphysically human than his children or his wife? Or No, it doesn't. But it's, it's, it's the right place for everything, and we can rejoice in that. Egalitarian is an enemy of things in their right place. And so when we uh, – so Tolkien gets that, hates egalitarianism – down to his little pinky toes and does everything he can to build a world that beautifies uh, hierarchy. 
people see that because we're built for a world like that. It resonates. They love it. They want it. Somebody comes along and says, dwarfs, that's the ticket to selling lots of books. Let's make a, let's, let's build something with, or let's make a world with dwarves in it. And there might be a few people that say, I like this because it's got dwarves in it. Um, but if it's egalitarian, it's not going to resonate with people the same sort of way. Um, but if we can't separate it as Christians, then what we end up doing is saying, um, oh, that new thing, they didn't do the dwarves right. That's why it's not good. That's why it's not resonating, right? Rather than saying, well, no, it's egalitarian. Egalitarianism is ugly. Egalitarianism is destructive. It, it just, it, it, egalitarianism hates people. Um, right. I, I grew up reading King Arthur wishing I had a queen to bow down to. Right. Right. right? You know, like, because it, it's so, the, the, the romance, the beauty of reality of a world in which egalitarianism is, is, is not even, it's just not even on the radar, right? It's just, it's not that they stand up and reject it. It's that they, it's that it, wouldn't even occur to them because they've got a great world. Why would you destroy it? Um, you know, Jason, that's that's exactly, you know, me and my wife, we were talking about this. And this is one of the things that she was bringing up about egalitarianism. We weren't even thinking about that idea. But we were just thinking about the roles and the women. But, you know, one of the things that we were thinking through is like this woman kept her child away from she just exited, exited out when she should have been the queen. Right. You know, and she should have been there. It would have been a completely different narrative if the son was there and protect the son and heir to the throne and everything was around. It would have been a different, completely different movie, but it wouldn't have been egalitarian, though. It wouldn't have been egalitarian. There, there would have there. There are other ways this story could have been told. Right. The, I mean, the, granted, but I mean, but the, it's just so it seems like there's a part of this where it's like the woman takes the kid away from the family, takes a kid away from the culture, takes a kid away from, and then go lives out here. You know, when, when, when was she ever going to come back? Yeah. <laughs> like he's a bastard kid. He has no right to the throne. He's not under covenant, you know, um, and and there's no relationship between the king and this woman. There's no marriage there. There out yeah. of all the things is who with a family that's so structured in ceremony, not to have a ceremony of this reality to bond, which is so Wakandan. They are all about ceremony. That's what they mad oh, Siri about. And then to have this, and then that's our great hope is a bastard kid. Well, the, I, so there we need more of the story. That's where I think. Okay. We're at, all right. I'll right? I'll, I'll, so, I'll grant that. Because it was used as a twist, which means they got to could they, be more. There's, there's got to be more. There's got to be something, especially since we're given the detail that the queen, in her in the queen's mind, she was holding down the throne till this kid could get there. You think that was her mind? That's what we're that's what we're told right in that last scene. Um, the queen knew he was coming. Right. That, that's what they, that's what yeah, yeah. She, she says something along those lines. Right. So, yeah. so you've got this really interesting thing where Shuri was never given access to the information, Shuri, to the information because Shuri was not trustworthy. We don't know why we don't, uh, we don't, we're not given the, those details yet. If they never fill it in, I'm going to be really disappointed. I'm hoping whatever next black Panther movie get we finally get the details on what happened and and hopefully 
T'Challa's, um, you know, if I, I mean, best case scenario, there was some sort of secret marriage and we don't know why. That's what I'm hoping for. But I'm not going to hold so out. So the king. <laughs> but that so would let solve me just, it. Let me just work through this. The king. This is proven beta male. The king decides to have a secret marriage, not tell his nation, and then allows his queen to go live in Haiti away from him. Right. Well, we don't know. I, that's the problem. So because she don't want to be at the nation. He got snapped out of existence. I don't know. Even there, more reason is, for the queen to be there in Wakanda. You know, some, I, I'm not something mad at you, has Jason. gone terribly <laughs> wrong, right? We just don't yeah. know what it is. Because this is not the way it's supposed to go. And and it almost destroys Wakanda that the that the true prince is in hiding. Right. So so they don't it's not a good thing. Whatever whatever it was, it's not a good thing. We just don't know the details yet. And so uh, uh, at this point, then T'Challa has acted like his uncle and less like his father. The uncle that went to America, right? That yeah. one. Yep, yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I think this um and I think you've got a legitimate you, – you have this legitimate – you've always had a legitimate complaint from Killmonger. It's a real legitimate complaint against T'Challa um, that has to do with his unwillingness to uh, to make the hard call and on behalf of his people. Right? That, that, that's the reason that Killmonger was such a great bad guy is because – 90% of the time you're like, mm-hmm. Yep. Well, his Killmonger's his, right about that. Well, right. That's what well, <laughs> well, that's Killmonger's biggest complaint was that you won't help the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you you're in here in your protect this was a classist argument, right? This is black people telling other black people who got it all made and got their money and made it out the ghetto into their little private Wakanda. Like Y'all out here doing real good, but then y'all don't care about the rest of us out here struggling, trying to deal with these um, colonizers, and we we fighting wars by ourselves with our hands, and you guys got the resources, and you don't help us with the resources? Like that's the black that's the, the black complaint. It's like where are the black people that supposedly helping us? Diddy, Oprah, <laughs> where y'all right. at? Y'all in your Wakanda? We out here struggling. Give us some Sarah, weapons. What are you, you doing know? on Epstein's plane? Right, right. <laughs> The rest of us are out here, right? But yeah. but so but but Killmonger was wrong about about um, T'Challa's uh, morality, but but he was right in the um, it, with the questions, right? So he's he's saying seriously, this is how you guys are doing this. You're hiding, you're and hoarding, pretending, right? You're hoarding, right? So all of that was right. Killmonger, the what made Killmonger the bad guy was his solution. Was, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And his solution was to was to literally destroy the possibility of a future hierarchy, right? And for that reality, yeah, and that reality to exist ever again. It's socialism, yeah. right? That's just straight. Right. So he, so his, so um, that's w- what you think is always. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm reading. Wow. Uh, uh, a really super interesting book on the history of blues and jazz by Amiri Baraka, um, who he was a poet, novelist, uh, and then historian, really good historian. But he is a he, he's, show Baraka's uncle. Uh, I believe <laughs> Show Baraka is his, is named after him. Actually, 
Oh, wow. Interesting. So I think there's a, uh, but uh, the, so he was um, like black liberation, black liberation communist of some sort, but he's not a, he's not a communist in the um, USSR sense, but definitely in the Mark, neo-Marxist side of things. Um, But he's a really good historian. And so the details of his history are super helpful in putting together the development of the music because it's a music history. Um, But what's so interesting is the number of times that he looks at the struggle of uh, of the slaves and the the folks coming out of slavery, and he sees the great art that's produced by it, and you can feel him trying to rejoice in it, but knowing that he doesn't have permission because he feels like rejoicing in the resurrection justifies the death. Uh huh. Uh-huh. He doesn't because he doesn't have a worldview that says God where there's a God that can use evil for good. Right. And that so, the resurrection is a judgment of the death. Right. That a res- yeah, exactly. That the resurrection says the death was bad. Yep. Right. Um, the, the, the death was an enemy. So um, because the, the Marxist understanding is that um, the, that the conflict can improve things um, that need mm. to be improved, but that the conflict itself um that the conflict itself is a part of the natural order, right? So, so there's no way to judge it as as bad. Um, and the uh, and it, it it it's just it's it it almost gets painful at times because he's such such a great scholar, um, and you can tell he loves the blues and he loves the jazz that came out of it. That he can see how beautiful it is and how it brings people together and that that it's created out of this difficulty. Um, and it's created out of this wrongdoing, uh, but he he doesn't. So it steals his joy, right? Because he can't turn and glorify God and say, "Man, you we meant that thing for evil, but look at the good mm-hmm. that you brought into the world through our evil." Um, yeah. And and uh, it's it's really uh, um, something that I think we as Christians need to get better at. Right. So, being able so to then, say like, yeah, that was terrible, and God used it for good. That so he he judged how terrible it was, right up in our face, and look at the judgment. What the judgment looks like is this art that came out of it. This, it, that's a judgment on the wickedness. Yeah, of yeah. The slave trade. You know, Boy, if thing. we can get if we can get that understanding, that'd be pretty awesome. Because then we because can operate. There's a lot of forgiveness in that too. There's a lot of grace in that. There's a lot of because death and resurrection. Yeah, there's so that's that's really good, Jason. And so, we could ignore critical race theory for good. And critical theory in every way is popping up critical his head. Right. Just, just, just say like, hey, I don't I don't run on those. I don't use their categories. Yeah, categories. I don't. That's not my octane, fam. Um, so you want to do as Kingfisher's catch King fire? Fisher's catch fire. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So really quick, I think I have to say this. You need to go see Black Panther, but not for the reason that you need. You think you need to go see it. If anybody's listening who like, like, should I go see it? You need to go see it because you need to go see it so that you can learn to have the poetic lens to see it the way that Jason's talking about. Because I think that's really unique. And we act as if we can't do both of those. I really loved that you were able to 
have a view of the story that they wish they could have told Jason uh, and the, the meaning, the richness and the deepness of that. I thought that was actually a really good observation, but, and yet still you had criticism on the surface level issues and things that was, you know, the armature seems good in structure. That's a good structure, a good story right. to tell, but the skin that they put on it was deformed in some senses, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. It didn't match the armature, which is why it has so many conflicts in it. But as Christians, and this is just to summarize what you said, but just as Christians, we need to be able to say, wait, the meat, uh, the bones are good. There's a good structure to this. And yet, we don't have the ability to put the right type of skin on this structure, on, yeah. on this armature that that proclaims the realities and the truths of this structure, you know. Right, and I think it's we, we're never going to be um, we're never going to be creators that are training people that landscape the future if we don't look and look and see this sort of thing. If we if we can't break down. Um, why people love something, why people, something resonates with people and explain it to them, then we're, I mean, um, mm. another book I'm reading right now um, is it's the history of HBO. Um, it's a, fa- it's a book. fascinating book. It, uh, it's, and it's, man, it's revealing. Um, but some, some of those shows that were on at 1 AM on a Monday morning on HBO have been more influential than primetime shows at the time because those shows trained the next generation of artists. Those shows gave, so the, the real influence is in the, the landscaping, the landscapers. Was, um, which is the history by HBO or is it inside the rise of HBO? A personal um, history of the company. It's, it is, uh, Tinderbox, HBO's okay. ruthless pursuit of new frontiers. Oh, okay. It's fascinating. I mean, and I, I mean, it's partly fascinating because it's you know in my, in my, see. it's what I do, you know. Um, but it's it's also fascinating because HBO's been so much more influential, um, for its size than any other. TV network um, that I think we got a, we have a lot to learn about just the way the way society functions the way media works the way it inf- it's influential um, by looking at something like that. All right, I got it. All right, so let's do this poem. All right, as, as Kingfishers King catch fire. Yes. So Kingfisher is a kind of bird. So. Ah. As as kingfishers catch fire, dragonflies draw flame. As tumbled over rim in roundy wells, stones ring. Like each tucked string tells, each hung bell's bow swung, finds tongue to fling out broad its name. Each mortal thing does one thing in the same. Deals out that being indoors each one dwells. Selves goes itself. Myself, it speaks and spells. Crying, what I do is me, for that I came. I say more, the just man, justices, keeps grace, that keeps all his goings graces, acts in God's eye what in God's eye he is. Christ, for Christ plays in ten thousand places, lovely in limbs, and lovely in eyes not his, to the Father through the features of men's faces. 
So, the first yeah, thing we about don't it, have to work through that yeah, one because I uh, have to work I got through lost it in the middle of this because, first paragraph. because it, it's almost a grammar. It's kind of a grammar puzzle um, in the way oh. that it, it he builds out this grammar puzzle, but the sounds of it you can feel and hear yeah, yeah. the rhythms and the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, would have made a fantastic rapper, Gerard Manley Hopkins would have, because he does the um, that thing where you you drop the rhythms throughout, um, but you but you not don't just have uh, rhythms at that lead up to the end of each line, although you have those. You don't have rhymes that just lead up to end of each line, even though this has a perfect rhyme scheme at the end of the line. He's got the internal rhyme as well that goes on other rhythms. So you've got. It's almost like a ghost note. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You've got this um, ghost note feel, um, and a, a lot of the you know the great the the best rappers they they'll do things like they'll set their rap up in three four over a four four beat, yeah. right? So that you have the rhythms um, uh, every three beats that wrap yeah. around and you know, every 12 measures land perfectly in the right spot, but it's, you know, so he, he's doing something like that rhythmically and with the sounds, um, as well. So as Kingfishers catch fire, dragon, dragonflies draw flame, right? You've got the F sound within the word, adding another layer of rhythm as tumbled over rim in roundy wells, uh, stones ring. So you see that you've got the same thing with the R's, uh, with the R sounds, but it it goes on to the next line, um, like each tucked string tells each hung bells bow swung finds tongue bow swung finds tongue to fling out broad its name. Now at the end of the line you've got flame wells bells name, mm. right? So you've got the end end rhyme scheme going, but then within you've got this multi-layered rhyme scheme. So it gives a depth to the sound of his poetry. Um, and then he puts a grammar puzzle within it, right? As kingfishers catch fire, right? So that's a, a metaphor. Dragonflies draw flame, right? So you've got this metaphor about the way the sun is is um, bouncing off of a kingfisher as it flies by and a dragonfly, right? Mm. They, um, as tumbled over rim in roundy wells, stones ring. So she, he puts the... Uh, the the subject at the end of the line, stones. Well, what do they do? They're tumbling over the rim in wells, in round wells, mm. ringing. Right. So the the noise that a stone makes when it falls down um, a, a well, and then another sound. He says each tucked string tells. Right. So a string when you tuck it, which you know, which is like when you're plucking, it's like same as like plucking or pulling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the string, it tells, and each hung bell, when you the 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 thing that hangs down inside a bell is called the tongue, uh, finds tongue to fling out broad its name. But it, so it's using that word with two meanings. So it's speaking its name, right? Um, by but how do you know what a what a bell is well you have to ring it when you ring the bell it tells you the note that it plays right so this is an e bell you, how do you know well you don't know unless you swing it and you hear it and say oh that's telling it's an e so in a, and it's the same way a, a, a plucked string tells you it's a it, you know it's a d string for example um 
you know that by playing it. Um, so he says that, so the, the way, the way you find out what a thing is by using it for what it's for and listening, right? A, a string it tells or you. a bell, yeah. it tells you what it is. So each mortal thing does one thing and the same. Oh, Deals wow. out what's in, indoors, each one. What So it tells you, a more, the, we find out the mortal, the nature of a mortal thing by using it for what it's for. And then he says, then here's a word that he made up, selves. Right, itself. It it the thing that wh- whatever it is itself, it goes itself. 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 Right. It shows what it is. It shows. That's its a nature. great word. Isn't that? I yeah. I, I like that word. If you read my self yourself book of poetry, it finds its way into a couple of my poems. Right. But it goes itself, crying, "What I do is me, for that I came." That's why. So he gets to the just man justices. Right. Myself it so, speaks in spells, crying what I do is me, for that I came. Mm. Right. So I say more, the just man justices. So we we want justice in the world. You gotta find a, a man that is just, because a man that is not just internally by nature won't give you justice. Right? You can't put a judge in who's not himself a just man and expect to get justice. Um, it said keeps grace that keeps all his goings graces, right? So, so it's the same with a gracious man, a gracious man. You have to be transformed inwardly. You have to have a gracious nature before you can have gracious actions, um, acts in God's eyes, what God's eye he is, right? So he says, and where do you find the, the nature of things internally? Well, whatever God says it is. That's what the nature of a thing is, right? So what, when God looks at something and he sees, and he says, this is what this is. This is a bell. Then when you swing it, you discover that it's a bell, right? But the na- a bell holds its nature inside itself and it holds its nature inside itself as God looks at it and says, that's what that thing is, right? So it's God's definitions that work their way out of a thing in, in its use, um, and then he says, but then he, he, he says, but it's also complicated um, because for Christ plays in 10,000 places, lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes, not his. Right? So he says, but when God, the son, took on a human nature, mm. it complicated things because <clears throat> suddenly every human nature then becomes a reflection of Christ. Right. So. Um, th- that Christ, Christ's humanity is the same sort of humanity, and it, but it doesn't change the nature of humanity, but it changes the nature of the nature of every humanity, right? Now, every mm. humanity, when you look at a person, um, you see, oh, Christ has come to me, not because Christ has come to you in that moment, but he says, what you do unto the least of these, you do unto me. Right. So that there's this relationship between Christ taking on humanity and the relationship between the nature of humanity and humans. Is that, so now is, is that, all, is that what 
is that bringing more revelation to made in the image of God? I think so. Yeah, it is. So um, you were made in the image of God, but it turns out Adam was made in the image of God because someday Jesus was going to take on the image of God. And so Jesus is the image of God. Adam is also the image of God. Jesus is the divine image of God taking on the human image of God eventually um, and bringing together the divine and human images of God in his two natures and as one person. I need more poetry to work that one out better. (laughs) (laughs) It's beautiful. It it is. It's beautiful. So he's saying there's this deeply poetic nature to reality, Mm. right? That reality. So um, as, so kingfishers catch fire, right? Um, Is a metaphor, but it turns out every human being is a metaphor Mm. of reality, right? Is, is a metaphor of ultimate reality. (laughs) Christ, who is the, the, the point that holds all things together. So, so he is pulling together things that we tend to pull apart, right? We want to say, well, okay, Jesus is one, is, um, he's one person, he's got two natures, and we don't want the two natures to touch or mingle, right? So we pull them apart, but they, mm. they can't actually be pulled apart. But they don't they don't intermingle, right? Well, like we learned from the Nicene Creed, they don't in, intermingle, but they are unified by his mm. single personhood. Right? So um, there's a poetic way of understanding that that makes it so that every time you see a person, there's a reflection of Christ to you because he became one of these. Um, and every time you see a person, it's an opportunity to serve Jesus through his image who's standing in front of you. Matter of fact, that's so evident in the law because the law is broken down in those in that split form. Honor God, love your neighbor, right? <laughs> well, there's a reason for that, yeah. you know? But, but the second commandment is honor God without making any images. And then this, then the fifth through ninth commandment is honor God at my image this way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Don't make mm-hmm. any images, second commandment. Mm-hmm. But then he says, but now treat my image that I've already it's... supplied to you this way. It five through five through um, nine. And then I think the 10th commandment um, is a, this is sort of a, a summary statement. All covetousness is idolatry. So it's a, it's a full, it's a, it's a reconnection to the first commandment. The 10th commandment reconnects to the first commandment. And so you've actually got kind of a looping commandment. Uh, the 10 commandments are, I think are a looping poem, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but the, he, he's saying if this whole place is um, spoken into existence, then the word of God, whatever God says a thing is, that's its nature. Right? Um, and, and what's interesting is he's actually solving um, what, what is a major, um, I think he's poetically solving what's a major philosophical quandary between Duns Scotus. So we, we talked about this um we, we've talked about this a little bit, but Duns Scotus and Aquinas um, have nominalism, realism. This debate um, yeah, is yeah. there's a thing. It, do, do things have a nature, or is the word of God 
whatever God says a thing is, is that it's nature and it's changeable. Um, be, you know, as, cause God can say it's something else in a moment. And well, he, I think he actually solves the SCOTUS Aquinas debate, um, with this, with, with his poetic vision for, well, no, things are metaphors. So we don't have to say either, or we can, there's also the possibility. Now we have to say either or about some things, but there's also the possibility of a yes. And, um, because of the metaphorical nature of thing and Jesus, when he's standing in front of the people and he says, um, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you'll have no part with me. And all those people walk off. He says, he, he calls their inability to interpret a metaphor property properly, spiritual blindness, right? They're bad poets, but it's a spiritual problem. Um, wow. So and the, the same thing happens when they consider him, you know, blasphemous, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. Right. Right. So they they take for literal what's actually a metaphor. They take for metaphor what's actually literal. And he says spiritual blindness. That's that's what spiritual blindness looks like. Oh, my goodness. So so the the part part of the problem with the Pharisees was lack of poetry because of spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness leads lack of a poet. I don't know. Poetic lack of a poetic um, hermeneutic. So when he so when they say they see the showbread, it's like they should look at him and say, Oh my goodness, the bread of life, the showbread. They should have been able to make those connections. And part able, of their yeah. part of their judgment was that they weren't making those connections. Yeah. And they were supposed to be people who were of the word. Yeah, he says, You guys are the teachers of the law. You should get what's a metaphor and what's literal. You should be able to make that distinction properly, but you're not because you've been blinded by your sin. <clears throat> Can I finish this real quick? Because um, I want you to finish it all the way out. Lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes, not his. To the Father through the features of man's faces. Yeah. So, so it, um, Christ plays in ten thousand places. Lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes, not his. Right. So Christ, he says, you you meet Jesus in people, it people all the time, people that have needs, and you get an opportunity to serve God through His image, but also Christ. We, and we've we've all experienced this where somebody comes and they have the exact right thing and the exact right moment to say to you or to you know um to to they they show up when you need Jesus to show up and he shows up through somebody else um uh, lovely and I is not his he says and how do we know because it leads us to the father mm. that's what Jesus does and so when we meet another person who leads us to the father then we're actually meeting Christ through somebody made in his image in a poetic sense, right? It's not like Jesus is temporarily possessing them like a quantum leap sort of thing. Um, But that metaphorically or poetically through his image, Christ meets us both in needs in other people where we get an opportunity to act Jesus to like Jesus towards somebody and Jesus receives that as worship and service of, towards him um, to the least of these, you've done it to me. Um, but also there are times when we are the least and somebody else is Christ towards us. And, ha- and we know it because through the features of men's faces, we're led to the father, right? By people that aren't Jesus, Jesus mm. leads us to the father by showing up in and through them. Right. And so, um, 
you know, we, we do this when, you know, and my wife and I will often pray, Lord, uh, love our children with your love through us. Right? We, we, we pray prayers like this. We understand this is how the world works. We experience the world this way. We don't have the theological categories to encourage our children to expect the world to work this way. We know it experientially, but we don't know how to communicate it because it's a poetic. Our, our prayers are often filled with poet poetry um, because the world is so much that way in our experience. But then our kids have to just kind of experience it and find it out themselves because we don't have a theology that can explain um, that to, to our to our kids. We don't we don't have the ability to teach our children to expect the world to function in the, in the deeply allegorical, deeply metaphorical ways where Christ shows up Jason, through somebody. You know, we read through this the first time I was like, man, that's pretty dense. Took me a second to work through it. How do you, how, how do you do that? How do you, well, first off, I think like I always, like when my kids were in elementary school studying grammar, I always would say this is giving this is going to give you access to the great poetry. That's why we do this, right? Surely grammar or whatever it is, however we the, the this has a point. Learning the grammar is not the point. Having access is a liberal it's a what a liberal arts education does, the right? Key. It gives you the freedom, the keys, the access to the world's great knowledge. And the poetry is at the at heart of the world's great knowledge. Um the the maturity of knowledge. So um, so a lot of it is just grammar, right? When you say, when you read something and you say, well, where's the, you know, as tumbled over rim and roundy wells stones ring, that's an awkward construction. But once you find the subject and the verb, then you can put together the sentence and figure out what it says. It says what it straightforwardly, what it says, um, stones ring when they tumble over the rim into a well, a round well. Um, uh, I've asked this before, but within, so then what's the importance of saying it the way he did if he can just say that? Um, so the, the same reason that God gives us Psalm 2 and then later gives us the book of Acts explaining the, the poetic significance of Psalm 2, it builds us into a wise person that can see reality. Mm. Right. It, so um, the world was created out of six poems. We should expect the uh, wisdom to be poetic, right? But it takes a poet or somebody that understands poetry to understand reality and see reality well. But you don't build a poet... Um, without having to struggle with with grammar, right? So the struggle, but the struggle with grammar, the struggle with difficult grammar to understand it is the same, is the same kind of struggle that you have with uh, uh, difficulties in the world when you're trying to find the truth, right? Um, so Solomon was a great judge because he was a great poet. He was a great poet because he was a great judge. He could look at, at a situation and find the, the, the true connections when he was trying to find justice for his people because he had struggled with um, 
gardens and trees and, and women and found the true connections between fruit trees and women. It's the same logic. It's the same. So, it, so it's about becoming the kind of person that sees the real connections in reality and isn't distracted by the false ones. All right. On to more poetry. Eventually I'm going to get there. That's really good. <laughs>